Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak isn't yakking like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today we're going to quickly break down the fantasy implications of the Bears and Panthers trade for the number one overall pick in 2023, touch on a few odds and ends for free agency, both before free agency and today with the legal tampering period starting, And I'm also going to give you my wide receiver and tight end rankings heading into free agency. And luckily, not many wide receivers and tight ends were signed today, so most of these will hold up. But obviously, a lot of these are subject to change pretty quickly depending on what happens over the next week. Well, let's get right into it. We'll start with some moves. So first, the Broncos released Chase Edmonds. He was a pretty good uh, pass-catching back for Arizona for a couple years, and uh, I had high hopes for him in Miami when he signed there, but then he was traded to the Broncos from Miami for Bradley Chubb, and he was hurt, and he played sparingly even when he was healthy, so I assume he'll be signed by another team and uh, get back up on his feet, and maybe he'll be a viable fantasy option again. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa's fifth-year option was picked up by the Dolphins, so if anybody thought that they were going to go after Brady, think again. Uh, I didn't really think they were, but uh, I know there was some doubt from some people and a lot of speculation, so that pretty much solidifies that they're committed to Tua through his rookie deal and one more year after that. And, you know, depending on how that works out, They'll probably try to look to extend him to a long-term deal if they think he's the franchise guy. The Cowboys restructured Dak Prescott's contract to create some cap space. And another one where if you thought maybe the Cowboys would be moving on from Dak anytime soon, restructuring this deal creates a dead cap in 2023 of $89 million, And in 2024, it's going to be $62 million. So those are both virtually impossible numbers to get out of when it comes to this restructure. So... Like I've said before, restructures usually mean that a team is committing to that player, and in doing so, they're creating some cat space for this year, but they're also kicking that cap space down the road. Uh, Greg Dortch, the wide receiver, re-signed with Arizona on a one-year deal. He had a pretty nice little stretch at the beginning of the year and at times during the middle of the year, uh, but mostly at the beginning of the year when... Uh, Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins was suspended, and I think there were some injuries for Arizona as well. So he had a nice little stretch there, and uh, you know maybe he'll be fantasy viable. I doubt it, though. Uh, Sterling Shepard re-signed with the New Jersey Giants for a one-year deal. Sorry, I got to call him the New Jersey Giants. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, only New York team. Sorry. Uh, anyway, he re-signed with them. He's been hurt so many times over the last couple years, but when he's been healthy, he's been a pretty viable fantasy option. And for the most part, he's been Daniel Jones' go-to guy. Uh, It's just unfortunate that he's been injured so much. So maybe he'll reclaim that spot, but I just have my doubts with how many injuries he's had over the last couple years, and they've been significant long-term ones. So we'll see, but at least it's nice for him to get a one-year deal. Robert Woods, the wide receiver who most recently played for Tennessee, uh, signed a two-year, $15 million deal with the Houston Texans with $10 million guaranteed, uh, but there's no details on the dead cap hits. So 
I imagine it's mostly front-loaded with a guy of his age, and they can probably get out of that deal next year. But good for him. Hopefully he can stay healthy and uh, reclaim his form. It's tough when guys come back from an ACL injury, Achilles injuries, anything like that. Uh, I've got some more details on the Geno Smith deal as far as the dead cap hits. So there's a dead cap of $17 million in 2024 and a dead cap of $8.7 million in 2025. So actually, I thought this was going to be more so, way more front-loaded on the first two years of the deal. But $17 million is a little bit of a pill to swallow. But if like this is really a big flop, they can reasonably get out of this deal after year two. Uh, Juwan Johnson, the tight end from the Saints, uh, re-signed with them for a two-year $12 million deal. And that has an $11 million dead cap in year one and a $9.5 million dead cap in year two with three void years tacked onto that at $3 million total. So this one's going to be hard for them to get out of if they need to. But he seems like he's a player on the rise. I know he's 27 or so, but he really doesn't have a bunch of tread on the tires. Uh, and I don't know, he had a good year last year, 500-plus yards, seven touchdowns. So... Yeah, I expect him to continue on that trajectory. Uh, this one's from today, the start of the legal tampering period. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo signed a three-year, $72.75 million deal with the Vegas Raiders. And that has an 18.75 dead cap in year two and a 3.75 dead cap in year three. So year one's tough to get out of. I won't even bother with that number. Because uh, years two and three are the ones you want to look at. Um, so again, kind of like the Geno Smith deal. Reasonable enough dead cap in year two to get out of at 18.75 million if it's a total flop. But year three is really the year that you're going to want to look at if the Raiders decide to draft a quarterback in year two of Jimmy G's deal or even year three. Uh, those could be the times that they're looking to cut him and move on to the rookie. And uh, the last piece I'll touch on here is uh, today Austin Eckler uh, requested permission to seek a trade from the Chargers uh, when extension talks went bad. So I don't really know what the deal is there, but uh, apparently they were talking about a long-term extension uh, beyond the current contract that he has. And apparently things soured from there probably had a big difference in opinion as far as what his value was. Uh, but Austin Eckler's fantastic. He's a good back in general, but he's a fantastic receiving back out of the backfield. And the way they used him in the last couple of years in uh, L.A., I mean, it's just been volume, volume, volume for him. So Justin Herbert relies on him a lot, and uh, it would be disappointing to see him go elsewhere if uh, they can't come to a resolution here. But it'll be interesting to see if he is traded where he goes. And uh, that also potentially opens up a spot for a guy like Isaiah Spiller, who was drafted there last year, who didn't really get many touches, uh, to maybe take that starting spot. So we'll see. All right, now let's get to the big, big move that happened over the weekend. And that was uh, the Bears and Panthers traded for the number one overall pick. So the Bears obviously had the number one overall pick. And they ended up trading it to the Carolina Panthers. And in return, the Bears got 
number nine in 2023, number 61 in 2023, a first rounder in 2024, a second rounder in 2025, and wide receiver DJ Moore from Carolina. So that is an absolutely wild haul that the Bears got for that pick. Good for them. They not only got more picks in future years and this year, but they also got a good starting receiver. DJ Moore is a good receiver in the NFL. Don't let his numbers from last year fool you. He's a guy who I think he's one of only a few guys who had like 1,200 receiving yards in three straight seasons. He's had nothing at quarterback, whether it's been Cam Newton with a shot arm, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield. It's all been bad for him. And uh, the fact that this guy keeps producing just goes to show how good he is. He were on an actual team with a franchise-level starting quarterback. He'd probably put up numbers close to the top of the league, like guys like Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. Uh, so this is huge for the Bears. And this is huge for Justin Fields because one of the big things, at least from my perspective that I've noticed that helps a developing quarterback is not having receivers and weapons that are developing alongside him. DJ Moore's a veteran. He's played with a bunch of bad quarterbacks already. He knows how to get it done. He's a good receiver. And what better weapon could you give to your young quarterback that you're hoping to develop here? And even if he doesn't end up developing, the Bears just set themselves up with future draft capital to move up in future drafts if they decide that, hey, Justin Fields isn't the guy for us. And they've got DJ Moore under contract now. That's huge. So they just added a huge weapon for their current guy who they seem to see as the franchise quarterback and I like Justin Fields a lot but I know he's super divisive everybody talked about whether or not he should be traded and then draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud that's not the direction they're going and I'm glad they're not they're setting themselves up wisely here they've got a good athletic quarterback on a rookie deal and if he doesn't work out they can move on very easily and very quickly and they have the infrastructure set up to do so whether it be the draft picks or the weapon in the number one receiver that they didn't have. I mean, before this, they had Darnell Mooney as their number one. And Darnell Mooney is a fine player, but he's probably better suited as a number two. And then they traded a second round pick, which was a bad trade for Chase Claypool. And he didn't end up producing really anything. Obviously, he was thrown in in the middle of the season and everything. But he's been a disappointment since his rookie year in Pittsburgh. He only had the one good year in his rookie year, and he really never developed beyond that. And he's had drop issues, focus and attitude issues, everything like that. So, but he jumps down to number three now. So maybe that's a better role for him. So things are looking up for the Bears. That's a decent receiving core now that you look at these guys in the proper place. You got Cole Komet at tight end as well. Cleo Herbert at running back. They're talking about maybe bringing David Montgomery back. So they could set Justin Fields up pretty well here just by adding one guy that you know slots in right away as the number one wide receiver. Uh, and let's take a look at DJ Moore's contract really quick just to talk about that and understand what kind of control the Bears have here and uh, even if that doesn't work out. So it's a three-year, $62 million deal that he signed with Carolina. 
And uh, this coming year is going to be the first year of that extension. Um, I won't even touch the dead cap for the first year because it's the biggest part of it. So they're definitely not going to cut them next year. But in 2024, it's only a $1 million dead cap. And then in 2025, it's a zero dead cap. No dead cap whatsoever. So if for some reason it didn't work out with DJ Moore or he demanded a trade or something like that, they could cut him, they could trade him, whatever they need to do without incurring any dead cap. Or they could use that as leverage to re-sign him to an extension saying, hey, look, you don't have any guaranteed money left in your deal. If we cut you, it's nothing to us and you have to go find a new team. If you want, we can re-sign you and we can give you a pay raise and we can give you some more guaranteed money to stay here. So I think that's a really good situation for the Bears. Whether it works out or not, it's a really good gamble to take. They got a really favorable contract in that. And again, they got weapons for Justin Fields. Now, on the opposite side of that, Carolina traded up to number one to go get their quarterback, presumably. Good for them. That's awesome. You know, identify your guy, go up and get him. That's all great problem that I see here is that they just gave up their number one receiver in DJ Moore and behind him you're now going to slot in Terrace Marshall Jr. as the wide receiver one I liked him coming out of college but he really hasn't developed and then beyond him there's Visca Chanel, Shai Smith just a bunch of guys you know, nothing special just a bunch of ordinary guys who really don't move the needle for anybody so then on top of that, at running back, you've only got Chuba Hubbard under contract. Uh, tight end isn't looking great either. Tommy Trumbull and Ian Thomas. Nobody's getting scared by those guys. So I don't like this from the perspective of what Carolina gave up to move up to number one, but also where they kind of left themselves strapped as far as giving up a bunch of draft capital, giving up a number one receiver, and now leaving whatever rookie they do decide to draft with pretty much nothing, unless they're going to go crazy in free agency here. We'll find out pretty soon here within the week what's going to happen there. But this isn't a great receiver class for the free agents either, So, and we'll get into that when I get to my rankings, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like this on the whole from the perspective of Carolina, but at least they went up to go get their guy. A lot of people think maybe C.J. Stroud, uh, or Anthony Richardson. I know David Tepper's a guy who presumably supposedly liked Will Levis a lot before the year started, so I don't know if that's still a thing. But right now the talk is mostly Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud. A little bit of talk about Bryce Young, but he's kind of under the radar as far as the talk with uh, Carolina's concerned. So we'll see there, but they get the pick of the litter. All right, without further ado, let's get into my wide receiver and tight end rankings heading into free agency. So the way I have this is I have my top tier is elite wide receiver one. After that, I just have wide receiver one as the next tier. Then I have a tier that's called wide receiver two with wide receiver one production. Then I have wide receiver two. After that, I have wide receiver three with wide receiver two production. I have wide receiver three after that, and then I have wide receiver four. 
And the reason I do this is because it's easier personally for me to look at it this way so I know where that player slots in on their respective teams. So you know, okay, even though I don't necessarily like this guy who's the wide receiver one for this team as much as I do the wide receiver two for this team, this guy's getting more targets by default because he's a wide receiver one. So it's something that helps me kind of compare the value proposition of should I pick the wide receiver one on a weaker team or the wide receiver two on a stronger team. It just makes it easier for me to visualize and pick. You know, if I'm looking at, say, let's use DJ Moore as an example. He's the wide receiver one for Chicago, obviously, we just talked about. But then you look at a guy like T. Higgins. He's technically the wide receiver two for Cincinnati, but he'd be the wide receiver one on any other team, and he still puts up wide receiver one numbers. Uh, it's because he's on a potent offense with another alpha wide receiver one. So it's something that's easier for me to visualize how I would rank these guys, especially mid-draft if I have a decision to make between two guys in different tiers like that. It makes it easier for me to visualize it rather than stacking them on top of each other without putting them in these particular buckets. So with all that being said, let's get into the first tier, Elite Wide Receiver 1. And I'm just going to touch on a couple guys per tier. So in the Wide Receiver 1 Elite category, I have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Cooper Cup. But uh, the one guy I want to touch on in this tier is Cooper Cup. Obviously, he was the receiving champion in 2021. He was absolutely fantastic. 1,900-plus uh, yards, just an amazing season. And he started off this past season in 2022 with similar amazing numbers. And he's a guy who's going to get those PPR points, and he's getting the receiving yards and touchdowns that you want to. He's a whole package as far as that's concerned. Problem was he got injured halfway through the year. It wasn't a serious injury, and I think they really shut him down because there was really no point in a lost season to activate him and play him and then risk re-injury again. So a fully healthy Cooper Cup, I expect to take people by surprise again. I think he's going to be another top receiver here. I just have him at the bottom of this tier because of the injury. And, you know, age is a factor there too, but I expect him to move his way back up. In the wide receiver one category, I have Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, DeAndre Hopkins, Jerry Judy, Christian Kirk, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Christian Watson, Drake London, Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Traylon Burks, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Wandale Robinson, Terrace Marshall Jr., and Devontae Parker. So, in this tier, these are guys, again, who are slotting in as the starting receiver as we speak right now. So, a lot of these guys, like especially as you get toward the end of the list, you're like, are those really wide receiver ones? Like, probably not. But just based on free agency right now and how things are slotting at the moment with depth charts and the draft hasn't happened either, 
guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling are technically the wide receiver one because Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent right now. So some of the guys I want to touch on here, Crystal Lave and Garrett Wilson kind of together. They were the top rookie receivers last year, and I expect them to build on their years next year. Uh, Chris Olave is an amazing deep threat. He's got good hands. He had bad quarterback play, and despite that, he really just lit it up, and he even missed a couple games due to injury, so he could have had an even better season, but he still had a 1,000-yard season, and for a rookie, that's amazing. Garrett Wilson, same thing. He ended up winning the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he had arguably worse quarterback play when you've got Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Zach Wilson throwing to him. This guy is a great route runner, great hands, and great body control. And I was even more impressed with him even than Olave just because of what he had to deal with and some of the catches that he was making on a weekly basis. Uh, And that's going to be a dangerous offense for the Jets. When they get Brees Hall back, they've got Garrett Wilson. If Elijah Moore can recapture what happened toward the end of his rookie year, They've got a dangerous offense going. So, uh, And, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers will make the decision to go to the Jets. Right now, everybody's still waiting, and uh, everybody's getting really frustrated. Uh, after that, Mike Evans, this guy just keeps producing. He keeps putting up 1,000-yard seasons. This year was a little bit skewed because he had that one, like, 45-point game against Carolina, I think, toward the end of the year, but... I don't know, you can't go wrong with a guy if it's later in your draft, maybe toward the middle rounds, and you don't have a great receiver depth chart, and you just need a guy you can rely on, go ahead and get Mike Evans. And, you know, maybe in Dynasty or Keeper Leagues, you can trade him mid-season if things aren't going well for you, or maybe somebody emerged on your team, and uh, trade him to a team that's competing, looking to make the playoffs, and get a return on him. My next tier here, the wide receiver two with wide receiver one production, I've got T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Brandon Ayuk, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Mike Williams, George Pickens, Calvin Ridley, and Michael Thomas. So first, I wanted to touch on George Pickens, uh, because I can't really say too much about the guys at the top of this tier. These are guys that on pretty much any other team, they're going to be wide receiver ones. And they're still putting up wide receiver one numbers despite having another guy who's taking targets away from them as the wide receiver one. So these guys, you can't really say too much about them other than that they're just fantastic. And maybe for their sake, you hope that once they become free agents, they can sign with a team that'll see them as a wide receiver one. Uh, But George Pickens is a guy that I liked coming out of the draft last year, and you saw why last year early on he didn't make too much of an impact but you saw flashes but just the ability to make contested catches the body control that this guy has the soft feet to be able to keep his feet in bounds he makes these ridiculous sideline catches and he's only going to help Kenny Pickett in his development and uh, he had a pretty fantastic year in his own right despite being on a bad offensive team with a rookie quarterback and a really bad offensive line so I expect to see a jump from George Pickens next year. And then I wanted to touch on Calvin Ridley. This poor guy, I mean, think what you want, I guess, about him gambling on NFL games. I don't think he deserved to be suspended for as long as he did. Obviously, some kind of 
suspension was warranted or some kind of punishment, but it was ridiculous that it went this long. And the Jaguars got an absolute steal trading for this guy. I don't remember the exact details of the deal, but it's really the pick is dependent on how much he plays and if he's extended beyond this year. So really good trade by them with a high upside and it was a really low risk proposition for them. And normally I'd probably put him in the wide receiver one category. The only reason I didn't is because he's been out for a year obviously with the suspension actually more than a year because he took time off from the Falcons for his mental health before the whole gambling incident occurred and you know you just see guys come in rusty and on top of that he's going to a new system a new team with a new quarterback I assume he's going to take some time to acclimate to catching balls from Trevor Lawrence but I don't think it'll take crazy long he's super talented he's a guy that was really looking like he was going to be one of the top receivers for a long time except for all of this happening to him so uh, I expect him to have a good year but right now I'm slotting him in as a wide receiver too just by default plus Christian Kirk had a good year last year in his own right so I don't want to take anything away from him my next tier is wide receiver two and in this tier I have Jahan Dotson, Marquise Brown, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Van Jefferson, Gabe Davis, Jamison Williams, Alec Pierce, Romeo Dubs, Darnell Mooney, Cortland Sutton, KJ Osborne, Elijah Moore, Isaiah Hodgins, Hunter Renfro, Robert Woods, Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup, Cardarius Tony, Devin Duvernay, LaVisca Chenault, Kendrick Bourne, and Kyle Phillips. So in this tier, first I wanted to touch on Jahan Dotson. He looked like an absolute beast as a wide receiver, too, for Washington. It was unfortunate that he had missed time with injury, but he was a touchdown machine early on and then late in the season. So I'm excited for him. I'm excited for Terry McLaurin, too, to finally have a guy who seems like he's a legit number two next to him. So that's just exciting things for the Washington offense. I know their quarterback situation probably isn't going to be great next year, it uh, looks like they're maybe going to roll with Sam Howell. We'll see. But, I don't know. I'm excited for this guy. And like a lot of the guys in this uh, past receiver rookie class, uh, just arrows pointing up for these guys. After Dotson, Gabe Davis, he was expected to take on a huge role as the number two receiver in the Bills offense and take a real step forward, especially after everything we saw in the – divisional round against the Chiefs in 2021 and he did take the wide receiver two role and he did have his moments but I'm a Bills fan I saw it all year this guy has major drop issues he put up some decent numbers over 800 yards and seven touchdowns but there was so much meat left on the bone I like his skill set when he had a chance to catch the ball there were so many drops in fact he was close to like a 50% catch rate this year and that was mostly on him it wasn't like Josh Allen was throwing super inaccurate balls to him he just wasn't catching them so I'm really hopeful for Gabe Davis to finally put it together this year and become the wide receiver too that the Bills need but I don't know he's been so inconsistent in his time with the Bills and I wonder if he's better off slotted as a wide receiver three but he has the skill set to do it so I'll give him another chance I have him ranked higher in this tier than I probably should but it's 
probably mostly based on hope. Right after him, I had Jamison Williams. We didn't see much from Jamison Williams because he tore his ACL in college and didn't play much during the year. But the talent's there. If you watched any of him this past year, and I know he played limited, he only caught one ball for like 41 yards and a touchdown. But on that play, he was like, he barely looked like he was running, and apparently he was clocked in at like 22 miles an hour, which is ridiculous just the way it looked. On top of that, he had a couple plays where defenders barely got their hands on balls, but he was well behind them. Just poorly thrown balls, poorly timed balls by Jared Goff. And he had one against the Packers. If you saw this play, he caught a touchdown from Jared Goff where he caught it running over the middle on a crossing pattern. And he was stumbling after he caught it. But he made the turn and he turned on the Jets and he just left everybody behind him in the dust despite defenders having an angle on him. The guy is just electric. He was my wide receiver one coming out of the draft last year. It's unfortunate that he was hurt all year. But I think with a full off season to finally learn the playbook and just be healthy and trust his body, I think he's going to be a superstar in this league and I'm excited to see what he can do. Right now I have him slotted as wide receiver two because Amon, Reese, because Amon Ross St. Brown is a beast in his own right. But I would not be surprised if Jamison Williams takes over the de facto wide receiver one role. Then after him, K.J. Osborne. He's been a wide receiver three for the longest time here, but age, but Adam Thielen was cut by the Vikings, so he slots in at wide receiver two now. So I'm excited to see if he can make a jump in production here. He's been a kind of 600-yard guy over the last couple years, so I want to see if that's mostly because he had two good receivers in front of him in Jefferson and Thielen, or if he can build on that, kind of like what I was talking about with Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis was more of a wide receiver three his first two years, and then took over the wide receiver two role. Obviously, like I said, it didn't work out as well as I had hoped, but I'm looking for maybe more of the same from K.J. Osborne, so it'll be interesting to see if they go into the year with him as the wide receiver too and what kind of production he can put up. My next tier, wide receiver three with wide receiver two production, I've got Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel, Josh Palmer, Zay Jones, and Corey Davis. And the only guy I'll touch on here is just Tyler Boyd because a lot of these other guys are unspectacular and I don't even know if they're going to continue to put up wide receiver two numbers despite being in the wide receiver three role just because some of these guys are kind of being pushed back into the wide receiver three role if you look at like Zay Jones he was more of the wide receiver two last year but I expect Calvin Ridley to be that wide receiver two or 1b to Christian Kirk's 1a but Tyler Boyd what can you say about this guy other than like this guy's been in the league for a while he was wide receiver two to AJ Green then he was wide receiver one for a year or two. Uh, you know, you could argue that when T. Higgins was a rookie, Tyler Boyd was still the wide receiver one. And now he's the wide receiver three for the Bengals, but he's still super productive. I mean, he helps Jamar Chase and T. Higgins make probably the best wide receiver trio in the league. So I love that this guy just keeps on chugging, and he's worth a flyer in the late rounds of a redraft or you know, even Dynasty, if things start to look thin at receiver. 
In my wide receiver three tier, I've got Khalif Raymond, Russell Gage, Chase Claypool, Rashid Shaheed, Rondale Moore, Sky Moore, Tyquan Thornton, David Bell, Nico Collins, Juwan Jennings, Isaiah McKenzie, KJ Hamler, Cedric Wilson, Quez Watkins, Calvin Austin, Allen Robinson, Sterling Shepard, Dante Pettis, Jalen Tolbert, and Derek Young. So first, Rashid Shahid. This guy was an undrafted free agent rookie last year, and he came on for the Saints as a legit deep threat. He had over 400 yards last year. He had a couple long touchdowns, so I'm excited to see what he can do next year. Uh, I'm slotting him in at wide receiver three, you know, depending on Michael Thomas being healthy. If Michael Thomas is healthy, then he's the wide receiver two to Chris Olave, maybe wide receiver one, depending. I mean, he was obviously a stud when he was healthy, Michael Thomas, but got to be realistic about your expectations with this guy with the injuries that he's had over the last couple of years. But Rashid Shahid's exciting, so I'd love to see what he can do as a wide receiver three. He can maybe put up enough production to slot in at your flex spot. After that, we've got Sky Moore. He looked like he really wasn't ready in year one. Again, they, they used him mostly on jet sweeps, things that they would use Miko Hardman on in the past. And he wasn't really running any complex routes for the Chiefs, so he's got the talent. But that was one of the questions with him coming out of college is the route running. So we'll see if he can take that jump, but the opportunity is there now that Smith-Schuster is a free agent. Calvin Austin... I really liked coming out last year. It's unfortunate he suffered a season-ending injury for Pittsburgh, but he's another guy. Pittsburgh just has a knack for getting these receivers in the draft later in the draft than they probably should be and just developing them super well. Calvin Austin projected as a really good slot receiver in the NFL when he was coming out, and if he's fully healthy starting next year, he can add to what they've got going on with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth. I think that's a really nice combo of receiving threats for Kenny Pickett. Then lastly in this tier, Allen Robinson. This guy has really fallen off over the last couple of years. He used to be a legit wide receiver one playing on bad teams with bad quarterbacks, whether it was in Jacksonville or Chicago. And his last year in Chicago... After he was franchise tagged, a lot of people said he quit on the team, and you could tell he definitely quit on routes and didn't put in his all. But now you're kind of seeing that maybe there was a, a step loss too as far as uh, what he can do physically, as far as what he did with the Rams. I mean, the guy was just a huge flop as a free agent. I don't expect much from him this year, but... Just wanted to touch on him really quickly. And, you know, it's kind of sad when you see guys who really were well-respected, good receivers in the league, and sometimes the drop-off is just stark once they lose a step. My last tier here is wide receiver four. In this one, I have Josh Reynolds, Khalil Shakir, John Mechie, Greg Dortch, Bayless Jones, Tutu Atwell, slash Ben Skoranek. I don't really know who's going to slot in there. It's not really all that important. Uh, Deami Brown, Danny Gray, Justin Ross, and Jalen Naylor. So really quickly, uh, two guys in this tier. Khalil Shakir, again, I'm a Bills fan, so I might be biased here, but Khalil Shakir was a guy that a lot of people coming out of the draft last year saw as a third-round pick, and he was drafted by the Bills in the fifth. And Really, nobody knows why he fell to the fifth, but 
he projects to be a pretty good slot receiver in the NFL, but he does have the ability to play on the outside. Guy has great hands, good route running, and he's got really surprising turn and run ability once he catches the ball. He's just got this quickness and burst about him once he catches it. He's really not all that fast as far as top end speed, but that acceleration after he catches the ball is really unique, I thought, when I saw him play in limited action for the Bills. So I expect the Bills actually to cut Isaiah McKenzie in the offseason here. Uh, They could stand to save $2 million against the cap, and Isaiah McKenzie, love the guy as a personality for the Bills, but he really shouldn't have been the primary slot receiver for the Bills last year, and I think that was a miscalculation on the Bills' part. He just doesn't have the route running ability to do it. They expected him to slot in as Cole Beasley 2.0, and he just disappointed. He's inconsistent, poor route runner, bad hands. Just He has flashes, but he's just so inconsistent. So I expect Khalil Shakir to slot in as the wide receiver three for the Bills this year if Isaiah McKenzie is cut and if he can touch anywhere close to what Cole Beasley was doing as the slot receiver for the Bills, that would be absolutely fantastic production. So keep an eye on him if he's on your waiver wire or if you're doing a redraft or a startup. Keep an eye on him as a super late pick. All right, finally for the receivers, I'm going to get to my free agents here, and I'm just going to touch on a few once I read through. So... There is follows for me as far as my rankings. Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, DJ Chark, Alan Lazard, Paris Campbell, Adam Thielen, Alameda Zacchaeus, Zach Paschal, Richie James, Darius Slayton, Marvin Jones, Mac Hollins, Noah Brown, Miko Hardman, Trent Sherfield, Chris Moore, Marquise Goodwin, Nelson Aguilar, DeAndre Carter, Trenton Irwin, Nick Westbrook-Akina, Braxton Berrios, Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, Cole Beasley, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Robbie Anderson, and Kenny Galladay. So first on Juju Smith-Schuster, he had a fine year last year, but he was inconsistent as far as his fantasy production. I expect him to be overpaid in free agency by some team who think he can be the wide receiver one, and he can. Uh, I just don't think he's the guy that he was in Pittsburgh originally when Antonio Brown was the wide receiver one there, and Juju was able to kind of feed off of his production and get advantageous matchups. But he can be a productive player, so keep an eye on him. Jacoby Myers is another guy who's definitely going to get overpaid. This is a really weak receiver class. But that being said, he's a reliable target. Mac Jones targeted him a bunch in New England because he was basically the only guy that could be trusted. He's not flashy, he's not fast. But he's got good hands, he's a good route runner, he's reliable. So if your team signs him and uh, you're looking for a solid fantasy option who can get decent PPR production, look to Jacoby Myers. DJ Chark showed pretty well when he was healthy for Detroit this past year, and he had good production previously with Jacksonville. He had a 1,000-yard receiving year with them at one point. So he could slot in as a default wide receiver one for a weak receiver team as well. And that's kind of what he slotted in as for the Lions uh, when he was healthy. But I assume the Lions are looking for Jamison Williams to take over that spot. Uh, Adam Thielen, he had a great run in Minnesota. 
from everything that I've read and heard, he has lost a step, and that's a big reason that they cut him, other than that he was making too much money for the production he was getting. I expect him to be signed by a team, but I don't know if I expect him to make a huge impact on a team. We'll see. Uh, I respect him a lot as a player, but he was never a physically gifted guy to begin with, and if he's lost a step, it's probably close to the end for him. Uh, Braxton Berrios is kind of interesting to me. He was uh, re-signed by the Jets previously to be their starting slot guy and punt returner, and he just kind of didn't really emerge as a slot guy despite having really good production the year before. And uh, I don't really know what happened there, but on the right team, maybe New England targets him. I know they like their slot guys, and I think he was originally drafted by New England and uh, caught early on in his career and landed on the Jets. So, you know, look out for something like that. And then Cole Beasley, kind of a weird one for me to even put on here because he really wasn't even playing all that much last year, but... Again, being a Bills fan, this is just my perspective. There's kind of a thought that he looked better as the year went on when he was with the team toward the end of the year. And it looked like he kind of knocked off some of the rust. He's obviously not the Cole Beasley of old. But it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if the Bills decided to bring him back on a minimum deal cut Isaiah McKenzie and let him roll as the starting slot and maybe work in Khalil Shakir. So maybe keep him on your radar. He has a good rapport with Josh Allen, so he might just get volume production, and that's valuable. So we'll see. All right, now I'm going to try to breeze through my tight end rankings. This still went longer than I wanted it to. So I have buckets for my tight end rankings, and they start with elite, then very good, then I've got solid, then I've got a bucket that's called Young with Upside. And then I have a bottom tier. And this is going to be much quicker than the receivers, obviously. There are only so many starting quality tight ends for fantasy. So in the elite bucket, I've got two guys. I've got Travis Kelsey and Kyle Pitts. Travis Kelsey just continues to be the best tight end in football, and it's not even close. He's constantly putting up 1,000-yard seasons, good touchdown production. He was especially good this year because... Juju Smith-Schuster was fine as the number one wide receiver for the Chiefs, but when it came down to it, Kelsey was the number one target for Mahomes. And I expect him, as long as he's playing, to continue to put up elite numbers despite the age. I mean, he didn't look like he was going to slow down anytime soon this past year. So um, even in Dynasty, if you have him, unless you can get a nice haul for him, I'd hold on to him. Or if you've got a guy like Kyle Pitts in the waiting or another guy, uh I don't know, it, just the gap between Travis Kelsey and the next best guy is just so stark. I think it was TJ Hawkinson toward the end of the year was the next best guy, and I think it was like 240 points at the end of the year for Travis Kelsey compared to like 177 or something like that for TJ Hawkinson. I mean, that's a huge, huge dip. If you've got the number one guy at tight end, you've got a huge advantage over all your competition. Uh, and then Kyle Pitts, huge disappointment last year, but he's got the talent. He had one of two thousand-yard receiving seasons for a rookie tight end ever in the history of the league. The other guy being Mike Ditka. So the talent's there. He had Marcus Mariota throwing to him. He got hurt. Chalk this up to that stuff because I watched 
a lot of his games last year because I was super interested to find out what was going on. And it was mostly Marcus Mariota. And then on top of that, they just weren't involving him in the passing game. So if they're committed to involving him, they picked him at number four when he was drafted. They have to be committed to him. He's a tight end that they picked at number four. If you're not committed to this guy who's an absolute athletic freak, there's a problem. So in my very good category next, I've got Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Godert, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Pat Fryermuth, and Evan Ingram. So really just quickly on Kittle and Waller, these guys are guys who have the talent any given year to be right up there with Kelsey, but injuries just keep hampering them, especially Waller this past year. And when he came back, you actually saw him perform again. But, man, it's just disappointing to see what injuries can do to these guys. And uh, I really hope they can recapture their form and stay healthy. But for the time being, I have to put them in this category because the best ability is availability. And, uh, you know, them being injured on your fantasy bench doesn't do you any good. In the next category, the solid category, I've got Dawson Knox, Cole Komet, Zach Ertz, David Njoku, Taysom Hill, Juwan Johnson, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Tyler Conklin, and Hunter Henry. So, Cole Komet, he took a really big jump this year. He had decent receiving yardage the year before with 600 some odd yards, but he had no touchdowns. This year he had seven touchdowns, and I expect him to continue to be a big piece of the Chicago receiving game, especially as Justin Fields develops here. Uh, Zach Ertz is a really good tight end, but again, injuries for these older tight ends have been a big issue, and he was hurt again this year after starting off the season strong. And now they've got Trey McBride, so I had to put Ertz in this solid category because there's a chance next year that Trey McBride takes over for him. That all being said, at the very least, I expect Trey McBride to take a good chunk of the receiving share from him. Taysom Hill, weird guy. He's really not a tight end. He's, he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife receiver, tight end, running back, quarterback kind of guy. But he put up weirdly good production. I think he had like 140 points when it was all said and done. A lot of it came in like one or two weeks here and there, but... I don't know, if you need a fill-in on a bye week or a guy's injured or something like that, you can do a lot worse than just hoping Taysom Hill gets 30 points by rushing a couple touchdowns in and throwing for one. Then after him, Hunter Henry. Especially now that John Smith's been traded, he should be more of the focal point of the offense at the tight end position. But he had a good year in his first year in New England, and I had a really good rapport with Mac Jones. I expect that to continue, especially now that Matt Patricia, the defensive and offensive genius that he is, is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. So even though I have him at the last place in this tier, that's because of what happened last year, but I do expect to jump next year. Maybe not out of this tier, but I expect him to be closer toward the middle of this tier or toward the top of it. My next tier is Young with Upside, and I've got Greg Dulcich, Chigo Okwanko, Kate Otten, Isaiah Likely, Jelani Woods, Trey McBride, Daniel Bellinger, Jake Ferguson, James Mitchell, Tommy Trumbull, Brevin Jordan, Jeremy Ruckert, and Cole Turner. Let's start with Greg Dulcich. 
He was injured to start the year for the Broncos. You didn't really know what to expect from this guy, but he was a third-round pick. He was super athletic. He had good speed. And when he got healthy, he immediately slotted in as the tight end one in that offense, and he gave a little bit more life to a really bad Broncos offense. So I expect him to continue that, and he looked really good when he was healthy. Problem was he was injured early in the year, and then he went back on injured reserve at the end of the year. So I do have an asterisk next to him for injury concern, but he has a lot of talent. Chigo Okwankwo, very athletic as well. I didn't expect too much out of him this year, but I liked him from an athletic profile, and I kind of thought of him as similar to Jonu Smith, and sure enough, he kind of played that role this past year, and he had a lot of these really nice chunky yardage gains and games uh, a lot of yards after catch when he got the ball and uh, he's just a mismatch at tight end he's not the tallest guy but he's got a lot of athleticism and speed and he put up good production this year so he slots in as the number one especially with austin hooper as a free agent so i expect a nice jump from him uh, isaiah likely he was my favorite tight end out of the class but he's behind mark andrews in baltimore so you can only expect so much production for him, but when he was filling in for Mark Andrews or when he was playing the tight end too, he showed a lot of flashes of ability. Again, another guy that's super athletic, like just a giant wide receiver basically. A lot of these guys in this previous rookie class, even though the tight end position is usually a slow developing position, these guys with their athleticism were able to show more in their first year than a lot of other tight ends in previous years. And I think it was because they could lean on their athleticism and do things for the offense in a specified design role. Uh, after him, I've got Daniel Bellinger I wanted to touch on. I was pretty low on Bellinger. He's not very athletic, but he slots in as the tight end one for the Giants. And I give him some credit. He produced when he was given touches. So, you know, if he ends up still being the tight end one there if they don't upgrade there uh at least from a volume perspective and just from the perspective of hey this is the only guy here catching passes as a tight end you could do a lot worse than daniel bellinger then my bottom tier i've only got two guys in it and that's logan thomas and noah fant uh just really quick on these guys though logan thomas former quarterback uh converted the tight end he had a really good year a couple years ago with Washington and got a contract out of that and then he had a good start to last year but then he got hurt or no rather two years ago sorry then he got hurt then he went into the season healthy again this past year but nagging injuries prevented him from being on the field he was a real disappointment this past year and I almost expect Washington to maybe cut him uh, they could stand to save some cat space by cutting him but He's on the radar there because he's had production in the past and he's athletic, but you know the injuries have really taken the toll on him the last couple years. And then Noah Fant, I had a lot higher hopes for him going to Seattle in that trade for Russell Wilson, and uh, he was just kind of meh. He split touches with Will Disley, of all people, and Will Disley's fine, but just knowing Noah Fant, I, I think he was a first-round pick for Denver, and just knowing the athleticism, the talent there, I expected a lot more out of him. So I was really disappointed in what he did in Seattle, and he had a few moments, but I don't know. I, I think this just might be who he is uh, 
600-yard tight end at best, and uh, that might be his ceiling. So my free agents really quickly ranked in order. I have Dalton Schultz, Robert Tunyon, Mike Gesicki, Hayden Hurst, Irv Smith Jr., Jordan Akins, and Austin Hooper. So to touch on a couple of those guys, Schultz I expect to be the top tight end in the free agent class, and uh, I would be shocked, honestly, if uh, Dallas re-signed him because they have Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot waiting in the wings, and they produced decent for rookie tight ends last year, so I expect them to go with the young guys and uh, go from there, but a, a team could do a lot worse than signing a guy that's reliable like Dalton Schultz, just kind of gets open and uh, doesn't really get too much yards after catch, but he's a guy who's got good hands and is able to get open, so from a volume perspective, he can produce. Uh, Robert Tunyon had that really good year a couple years ago where he had like 12 touchdowns or something like that. It seems like a fluke now. And the last guy here, Irv Smith, that I'll touch on. This guy's been a guy that's been exciting to a lot of people in fantasy circles over the years, and he just, between injuries and not developing, really hasn't shown anything for it. Uh, maybe some team can unlock that. I know he's got some athleticism, but I don't know. I wouldn't expect too much from him, but just wanted to touch on him because I know a lot of people have a soft spot for him. All right, so that'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning into my breakdown of the trade for the number one overall pick, my wide receiver and tight end rankings heading into free agency, and the other odds and ends that I touched on. It's going to be an absolutely wild week in the NFL offseason here with free agency starting. So be sure to tune in next week when I break down the first wave of free agency as it really hits. Like I said, you know, receivers and tight ends really didn't get signed. I mean, the only one from today that I even spoke on was Jimmy Garoppolo. So from a standard only offensive player fantasy perspective really not much happened a lot of offensive linemen a lot of defensive players not that that's not valuable but that's more so for real life football so you know come back next week and we'll talk about how all of that's going to impact fantasy in 2023 anyway if you like the show please rate review and subscribe you can follow the show on Twitter at Yak Fantasy Pod. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next week.